Hey, welcome to Wednesday night, Travis. Hey, thanks. Thanks, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And uh, we decided not to tell you all of the dad jokes that we've been building up and practicing. Yeah, um, I've been learning from you. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, hey, I want to remind you guys that uh, Sunday morning we, we are reopening, and or we have reopened, actually, and we're, we're starting our service at 10 o'clock. Um, we're using the fireside room and the sanctuary, and we've spread out our chairs. We have some of the social distancing things in place, but I want to encourage you, if you're still concerned about your physical health or, or medical needs or anything like that, uh, we're going to continue to be online, and we're going to continue to serve you guys um, that way and do all the extra work that it takes to have the videos present and available and the worship team on there. Uh, so feel free to take advantage of those and, and to continue to, to be with us online um, as, as long as you need to and as long as um, you feel like doing that. So just want to encourage you in that area. Um, tonight, we're actually going to be going through uh, the, the book of James again. We're picking up where we left off with Stefan last week. And so uh, we're going to be in James chapter 4, uh, verses 11 and 12, really focusing on, on verse 12 uh, today because uh, Stefan and I got stuck on verse 11 and didn't get past any of verse 11. So um, we're going to do that. But first, we're going to read the whole, the whole two verses. It's, it's a long process, so just bear with us. Get your heart ready. And uh, would you follow along um, with my brother Travis here as he reads for you James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. So last week, Travis, as we were going through this, Stefan and I, uh, we really focused on the that whole idea of speaking evil against your brother, speaking evil against uh, you know one another in that process. And what we found ourselves doing is we were really engaged in the uh, the process of um, the Old Testament and the New Testament area of going after slanderous, the, the wickedness, the wicked behavior of the, the lost, the, the Gentiles, not, not, what, not God's people, not who we were supposed to be. And so we did that through Leviticus 19. We did it in Psalms 50. We looked at Jeremiah chapter 6. Uh, we looked at Romans 1, uh, Romans 2, 2 Corinthians. We spent our whole time just addressing that. And I think it was a really powerful time for us. It was also a really challenging time to consider uh, what, what it meant for us to be speaking against one another and, and to be slanders and have the same behavior that was judged by God uh, in the Old Testament and that, that you know, the New Testament writers say is, is, is going to be judged by God. And that James is actually re- referencing that that's still in the church, that that's actually being present in the church. Um, and, and so the question that we have, you know, that where we've landed at here is in verse 12, where, where he says that, you know, you're, you're no longer, uh, it's actually the verse, uh, end of verse 11, he says, you're no longer a doer, but a judge. And then he offers this warning to the church. And, and, and you just read it. it was, there's only one lawgiver uh, and one judge uh, he, who is able to save and destroy. And isn't it interesting? Um, that that it looks like what James is saying to the church is that 
if we choose to speak against our brothers, if we choose to speak evil against them, we're we're actually putting ourselves in God's spot. We're 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 putting ourselves in His place. Yeah, takes a, quite a bit of arrogance to do that, doesn't it? Should I, it we, we, as we were thinking about this, that was part of what we were kind of going through, going, man, how could we get to that spot? How could we get to where, where we would we be comfortable to, to say, yeah, God, don't worry about it. I got it. I'll, I'll take care of this person. Let, let me judge them. I, I think it's important, too, to recognize that uh, when, G, or when James says this, he's actually pointing out something that the Jews would have recognized coming from Isaiah, right? Um, and so uh, turn in your Bibles, you guys, to Isaiah uh, chapter 33. Isaiah 33, 2. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Isaiah 33, 2. Mm-hmm. You want me to read that? Yeah, you want to pull your mic around, though? I'm getting feed, I'm getting reports that they're not hearing you very well. So bring that thing around. Yeah, get it close enough that it's actually so- sopping up the, the moisture out of your lips. I'm kidding. Don't do that. I've got a lot more beard. I don't know. If you, if you, hear the you got a lot more hair than I do. I don't know about beard. We're not comparing beards here tonight, are we? Is that good? Is that better? Okay, we're going to go on. Let's try it again. Isaiah 33, 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. Straight to the point, but it's in Isaiah where he's actually he's actually prophesying a coming king and a Messiah in the midst of judgment, in the midst of persecution, uh, in the midst of of the sin of Israel. Uh, Jesus is coming, and the Messiah is coming, and all this stuff. And and here he gives him that clear title of the lawgiver and the judge, the one who saves. And what do we see James say? There is only one lawgiver and judge, save and destroy. And here's this warning coming from James, Be, pay attention to who this is. And so, yeah, right. And, and you would, we should see these things and, and connect the dots and, and be able to say, wow. So James is calling the church out. And we were talking about that over the last couple of weeks. James is calling the church out and saying, you guys are behaving just like, the wicked. You're behaving just like the Jews who are punished by God for this repeated behavior, for the repeated rebellion. As a nation, it should cause us to, to stop and say, man, God, is that us? Are we, are we really living this way? Are we judging one another? Are we behaving in such a manner? Um, and obviously, when, when he said destroy, right, what, you and I were talking about that, and I'm like, hey, what passage does that pop up in your head? And you're like, well, when Jesus says yeah. we need to do this, well, let's look at that because we've got that passage here. Um, it, it's in Matthew chapter 10. So everybody turn with us to Matthew chapter 10. And I'm going to read that passage. It's Matthew 10, 26 through 33. Um, look at what the text says here. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 26. So have no fear of them, which is interesting because right before that, he says persecution's coming. He's encouraging his disciples. Hey, guys, hang in there. It's going to get rough. And then he starts in verse 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. But I tell you, 
but excuse me, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So every one of you who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Here we see Jesus referencing the one who can destroy the soul and the body, the supernatural and the physical. It's God the Father. He's saying you need to fear God, not men. And, And then I love what he does in that text, right? Don't you see? Don't you recognize? This is the God that knows every sparrow that falls to the ground, and he knows the hairs on our head. Turns out I'm a little easier to count than you, I guess. But that's just a reality, right? God knows all of that, and he says that he's the one that's going to care for us, the one that knows that much detail. Only only God can stand on his own have the authority to completely and utterly destroy and have an interesting because it's not it's not just that he's it's not that he's made himself judge because he's done all this stuff better than us and he's he's done all this it's it's purely and absolutely his character and who he is which is why why we're going to go to Isaiah because we want to go and jump in the throne room for just a minute and take a gander at what Isaiah sees in the throne room and how he responds to that moment So why don't you read Isaiah chapter 6 for us. Everybody turn in your Bibles. Make sure you're turning in your Bibles, you guys. If if you're okay with marking in your scriptures, uh, you got to highlight some of these texts so that you have them for later. But Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1, and you're going to read all the way through verse 7 for us. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraph. Oh my God! I'm standing in the throne of the throne room of God. Yeah. 
this, this is it. And that gentleman reached him down on the Well, and and I think the the important aspect of that, because we see in the Old Testament that no one can look on the face of God and live, right? Nobody can do it. Moses didn't get to do it. God covered him, and and he, when he saw the he saw the back of the glory of God, and he glowed for the rest of his life. We don't get this, like we we don't understand what Isaiah what Isaiah saw, and and I think that the the critical part of that, yes, the the gracious, the kindness of God, the the response of God to a repentant, to a humble, to a a a contrite, penitent man is grace and forgiveness. In fact, the, 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 uh, when he introduces himself, when God introduces himself to Moses uh, in the wilderness, that's actually what he says about himself. Kindness, he's, he's full of mercy, long-suffering. Uh, he, he, he relents from bringing disaster, uh, but he's not gonna, he, won't, he will not uh, relent from punishing those who were, were in rebellion to him. And so I think the incredible part of this is Isaiah's response to God when he sees him, when he comes into his presence, is that he's overwhelmed by it, he's undone by it because of the holiness of God and the vastness of his character. The question that you and I were to ask in, in the back was, when was the last time that we've seen our sin or seen an aspect of the glory of God in the text and said, woe is me, hmm. I'm undone, I can't stand in this. God, I, I'm, a, I'm incapable of standing in your presence because of the sin that I've chosen, because I, I'm, I have unclean lips mm-hmm. and, and, and thrown ourselves before the, the mercy of God for him to restore, for him to lift up, for him to exalt. It's much like what James talks about in the middle of chapter 4, that we're to put on sackcloth and ashes, right? Yeah. That that should be our response when we see our sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Undone <laughs> and wrecked. I don't respond that way to God very much. Mm-hmm. I don't either. We were asking the question earlier, why not? Mm. Why do you think that? Why don't we respond to him? Why don't you respond to God? Well, at the beginning of James, it says that, well, I'm, I'll just turn to it. I don't want to misquote it. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes passions among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? It's what I want. It's what, fit, it's what fits well for me. It, it, it makes me feel good. I mean, obviously my words should be heard because of where I stand and because of what I believe and because of what I done, I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I don't mean, I, don't mean I, I should have mentioned this to you in the back chain, so I apologize, but um, I, I'm, I marked the section where uh, it talks about how the devil himself thought that same thoughts about he thought that everything that who he uh, he was he earned. So obviously, I should I don't have to read, it, but where he um, saw himself, his beauty, his splendor, he thought that it was somehow earned, and that he gained it somehow. So obviously, I should be not just equal, not just above you, but I I should be God. Obviously, you know my my words should be merited to everybody else involved, especially you. Which is ultimately what James is saying we're doing. Yes. When yes, we're we're basically doing that right. when we are slandering and speaking evil of our brothers and judging and them, judging them. Yeah. Yeah. Making ourselves out to be God. Yeah. Last I checked, I didn't write the Ten Commandments. But 
But what's incredible <laughs> about that, what's incredible about that is Isaiah, who was a godly man, who was following God's commands, who was brought by God before him, mm. didn't dare, in the presence of God, didn't dare to, to exclaim his righteousness or, mm. or talk about his faithfulness to God or any of that. He fell on his face, and, and he, he, he was undone. He lamented yeah. the sinfulness of his nature, of his flesh, of his lips, mm-hmm. and, and the nation that he came from. Like he rightfully saw God's spot and his spot, and he mm. took that place immediately. Yeah, which I I love what Job does, right? Because Job, and in, in, in when you read the end of Job thirty eight through forty two, you actually see Job who is struggling in his suffering, struggling in his mm. relationship with God as he's suffering, and and all of these things are happening to him, and he finishes the whole thing up and and says, "My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you." Or, and just before that, he goes, "Uh." I was foolish enough to talk about to talk once. Mm-hmm. My lips will not speak again. Yeah. Go ahead, God. You just yeah. keep on talking. <laughs> it's the right response. It's how we should. Mm-hmm. It's what we should do before God. And James is saying that when we judge one another, we 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 actually act on the pride of our lives to say, "No, I'm I'm God. Mm-hmm. I will be God. Yeah, I will take the authority. I'm holy enough. I'm righteous enough. I'm I know enough." to judge others, and to put others down. Yeah. What a devastating reality that is mm-hmm. about our own flesh and our hearts. Yeah. We're, we're taking that um, reality and stance that, I, that, uh, that was said earlier about there's only one lawgiver. There's only one judge. I think the biggest challenge for us in this is that the reality is we don't fear God. Mm. Um, we've grown up in a, in a culture that has that is constantly... Um, elevated mankind elevated our our character our personalities ourselves mm. and we've diminished and devalued and minimized the grandeur the holiness the 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 fierceness of god mm. um probably to make ourselves feel better maybe i don't mm. know it's got to be some myriad of reasons yeah, i'm sure all kinds yeah. of things um but philippians 2 actually references some of this issue it, we we actually see it in philippians 2 um, uh, starting in verse 12, uh, where, where Paul actually challenges the believers. Well, it, one of the reasons that I wanted to do Philippians 2 is because when we talk about the fear of God, a lot of people take the Old Testament as being the, the, the book of fear and trembling because God's <laughs> righteousness and his holiness and his wrath. And, yeah. oh, you know, we got to be in fear of God mm. because of that. But the New Testament is all about love and happiness and Jesus loves and, me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it is, it's spectacular because the love of God is displayed on the cross. Yeah. All comes to fruition in Jesus, finally. Yeah. Yeah. But our response, I think, according to Proverbs, our response, according to Paul, starts with fear. It mm. starts with a right view of God, a, a, a right view of ourselves, and it ends in the glorious hope of adoption and, and being heirs to the throne and being called friends of God and being sons of God. Mm. But it's got to start in repentance. It's got to start in humility mm-hmm. and us going, no, God, you are the one lawgiver. Mm. You are the one judge. I am not. Yeah. I wouldn't dare touch your throne. I won't dare touch your place. If, if I may, that's, that's some of the hardest conversations I've had to have even recently, just what the Lord's brought me through in my personal uh, testimony in life is having those conversations with people that I know about. Hey, so 
I've been noticing this pattern in your life and stuff like that. And then actually have to talk with them. Because the last thing I want to do is be like, what you're doing is wrong. I want to jump straight into that good stuff of like, you know, Jesus loves you and he's done. And again, all true stuff. Yep. But if there's no repentance, then all it is is here, have some honey, have some honey, have some honey. And it tastes good, of course, but there, there's no change and their, their body's not going to get healthy by actually feeding them the good stuff. Maybe not necessarily tasty stuff like vegetables and things of that nature, which we'll, get we'll, to we'll, in a little we'll bit. touch on yeah. in a little bit. We're actually going to talk about that soon. Yeah, cool, cool. That was a great segue. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, I thought I told you I was sorry about making that difficult on you when you were confronting me the other day. But Oh, well, I mean, I got to grow some. I got to grow some. We didn't have to do that out. on the air, did we? Um, <laughs> Now we're going to get questions. Yeah, I know. Please Wait, send what? your questions to Juliet. Uh, what Liberty were they Lake talking Church. about? <laughs> so Philippians chapter Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2. How did we get off of that? I don't know. Uh, but let's go to Philippians know. chapter 2, verse 12. Sweet. Did you want me to read that? Yeah. Why don't you read that? Cool. Therefore, which be sure to read back to find out what that's there for. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Isn't it, see, it's in that text that is so amazing because he actually says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. He, he, he takes away the ability for it to just be this, this idea of respect. Mm-hmm. Or or a, a, a reverence of God. It's deeper than yeah. that. Working out your salvation is not like a twelve point program of I went to church, I read my Bible once this year, yeah. I've prayed this many numbers of times a day. That's not working out your salvation. Working out your salvation of fear and traveling is coming to know who God is and being like, oh my gosh, He is so much bigger than I ever thought He could be. Well, and, and that is where, that's why, um, it, it, that's why it's so important for us to get a glimpse of who God is, for us to get into the Old Testament, to see who he was, mm-hmm. to see what, what the consequences of disobedience are mm-hmm. in, in there. Because if we don't know who he is, if we don't fear him, if we don't have a right understanding of him, we'll never understand forgiveness. Yeah. We'll never understand the, the, the depth of our sin, the, the, the cost that it was for Jesus. Mm-hmm who just before this knows what it's like to be equal to God, knows what it's like to be in his presence and in his glory and to be, to be uh, in that, that state of perfection and then suffers the, the wrath of God for you and for me. Yeah. If we don't know who he is, we can't understand the gospel. Yeah. We can't have a right understanding of it. And it's, it's not that Jesus and, and, and God through his Holy Spirit doesn't want us to know that stuff no he wants us it's his desire yeah he's like i want you guys to catch a glimpse of my glory you know yeah. i mean that's 
He wants us to know this stuff. Very, very much so. Hey, we're going to continue on because one of the questions that James asks is, who are you to judge? And mm-hmm. so he gives us this warning, right? He says, there's only one ju- judge, one lawgiver. Mm. It's the God who can save and destroy. And we've, we've looked at some of that idea that this is Jesus. This is God the Father. Mm-hmm. This is the one true God. And when we disrespect, when we slander, when we speak evil against one another within the church, we're, we're basically telling God to get off the throne. Well, we got it. Mm-hmm. We're putting ourselves in the place of God in his place alone. Mm-hmm. It's his only. James then says, well, who are you to judge anyway? Know your role. Mm-hmm. Like, get a grip on who you Stay are. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. That's right. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Let's look at what that is, and, and we're going to use Romans to kind of help set that, that picture. Um, because I, I love what Romans calls us to. At one point, it actually calls us to be in harmony. He's praying for us to have a harmony, mm-hmm. which you do music, and you know mm-hmm. how harmonies go. I can't yeah. do harmony. Um, I'm horrible at it. I've tried, and, and it just sounds like people are killing animals. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which is funny because I can sing melody, but I've never learned how to sing harmony. Well, mm-hmm. and what's the hard part is the harmony is it's a um, it's a it's a melody. It's another sound that supports the melody that comes yeah. up and actually it complements it. it and yeah. serves the 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 delivery of the melody. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not about, I mean, yeah. harmony is not about yourself. It's about mm. helping the main thing be the main thing. Yeah. And so. Ooh, that's really good. I know, that'll <laughs> preach. So let's look, at, let's look at what Romans says, and we'll roll through this. Romans chapter 14. Um, uh, what is it? 14, 1 through 12. I'll, I'll take this one, and then I'll let you have uh, 15? Romans 15, Got 1 it. through 7. So here's Romans 14, 1 through 12. Uh, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Amen. Mm. Mm. I'll just let everybody deal with that for just a moment. (laughs) Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, um, for, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own minds. The one who observes the day, observe it in the honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eat in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So Mm -hmm. then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or Mm -hmm. why, uh, why, or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Mm-hmm. Paul is challenging the church in this text that there are things in Scripture that we disagree on. Mm-hmm. There are things, I mean, he's dealing with eating of the veg, eating vegetables or eating meat. He's dealing with the Sabbath, yeah. which was kind of a hot topic back in his day. 
It's a hot topic today. It's a hot topic today. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got texts that, that, that we can read in there, and, and there's disagreements in it. And he's saying that, that in this context, that's before them and the Lord. Mm-hmm. We should not be judging one another on these things. And yet, yeah. how many churches, how many times have we split and divided and, and made enemies out of people because they differ on an opinion? Mm-hmm. They differ on an interpretation of a text. Mm. Dangerous, dangerous things. Yeah. And he ends with, you're all going to stand before the Lord. Yeah. You're all going to, everybody has to stand and give an account. Mm-hmm. For themselves. For themselves. Yeah. So really, ultimately, yeah. what we should do with that, we should go, oh, I better start working at getting this right. Yeah. Because you don't want to depend on me to get it right for you. Yeah. I mean, I love you, Shane, but I don't want you standing in place of me. Oh, don't worry. I'll speak for trap. Yeah. No, 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 guys. I no, got no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Please <laughs> that don't. That would be really a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard any of my stories on Sunday? Oh. <laughs> you don't want me up there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Read, re- read Romans 15 for us. 15, sure. 1 through 7. 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We see in that that whole picture of the purpose of the church, the value, the, the, the idea behind what we're doing is that we die to ourselves mm-hmm. and we live in such unity and in such focused uh, worship and glory of God yeah. that we become one voice harmonizing together yeah. Caring for one another, building each other up with the emphasis on delivering the gospel, the light of, of Christ's, uh, uh, the truth of the good news of God mm. to the earth. That, that, that's, that's what the church is supposed to look like. Not running around judging one another and, and, and speaking evil of one another and mm-hmm. gossiping about one another and slandering one another. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not God, thankfully. And yet, when I, you know, like we were talking about back there, when I see, you know, all the myriad of stuff that's happening on Facebook and all these fights and everything, my initial emotional response is to step up on that pedestal. Who do they think they are? They're doing this, they're doing that, whatever, da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, for one thing, Facebook is such a cold, like, absolutely unimpactful medium that any word that I say falls on deaf ears. Absolutely, sure. 100%. The, the only time that it actually impacts people is what it just did to me. Makes me, <clears throat> and suddenly I begin to think about myself. And, and, what, and what's the emphasis of the text in this? It's that the church would have such unity, such harmony, mm-hmm. that people would notice them. Yeah. It's not, it's not that we would be up on Facebook. It's not that we would be out making our proclamations of our truth or, 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 or the right or wrong mm-hmm. of things. It's that the church would be in such harmonious function mm. that the world would look at us and say, but they're so different. Yeah, with the emphasis 
on getting the gospel to souls that need it. Well, and, and, and the unity of glorifying the Father. Mm. The, it's the one God. It's the one lawgiver. Mm-hmm. It's the one judge. Yeah. As we focus on him, as we in unity turn and worship him and surrender to him and surrender to his will, then we love one another. Then we care for one another. Yeah. Then we become that light. Yeah. We become that that sweet, savory smell that will be rejected by the world and will bring persecution on the church. Mm-hmm. But God will say, well done. Yeah. And we'll actually get to know who God is in as that, we seek his face. We'll, we'll, we'll know yeah. him. <laughs> Isn't it funny that he ties knowing him with having to put up with one another in the church? Mm. But doesn't it say somewhere, or Jesus say somewhere that such as you've treated the least of these, you've done so to me. Yep. Ooh. He does. Our last passage today is not only are we called to harmony, not only are we called to a oneness, a focus, a unity together that does not include the speaking evil against one another, the gossip, the deceit, the the the, the uh, division, the the clamoring for our own selfish ambitions and our own selfish desires. Mm-hmm. But Jesus called us to love. And we know that in Scripture that's a big deal. Um, it's important for us to remember what Christ's love looked like. It was on the cross to death. Mm. It, it wasn't touchy-feely. It, it, it didn't result in him feeling good about a lot of stuff. No. It resulted in him willingly dying for his enemies, dying for the weak and the sinner, and, and, and that's what love looks like. But in John chapter 13, Jesus gives this call, this directive to his disciples. John chapter 13, verse 34 says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I lo- have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't it interesting that in Romans uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, Paul talks about this harmony that results in the world knowing the glory of God. Hmm. Jesus here in John 13 talks about this love that permeates the church, that is so evident in the church, how we care for one another, how we serve one another, how we die to ourselves, how we we only do what's best for others in the church, that the world notices that we're disciples of Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that our reputation? Mm. Is that what the world sees us as? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say the goal is not to get noticed per se, but in doing this, the the world is going to take notice. Yeah, I. We the elders and I were actually talking about that last night, because we won't be noticed in the sense of the wor- of like how the world notices. Mm-hmm. We probably won't make the media. Mm-mm. You know, we we, no. we probably won't make a, a you know a. Wednesday night, you know, 10 o'clock news bulletin. Most amazing things ever said on TV happened tonight in Liberty Lake Church. Probably won't happen. (laughs) Probably not. But I would be willing to bet. I don't bet. But I would be willing. I would guarantee you that if we loved one another and we loved our neighbors as Christ has loved, 
that the neighborhoods and the communities around us would notice. Yeah. And we'd probably have a problem with wearing out our baptism. Mm. If the reputation of the church was not hypocrisy and selfishness mm-hmm. and, and, and beating one another up and tearing one another down, if that was not our reputation in the world, if it was truly unity and harmony and selfless service and love of one another, I honestly believe that in, in our culture of lost and terrified people that we would see a revival in our communities. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they're looking for. Yeah. That's, that's what Christ brings. It was very interesting up in Enos Valley. You know I used to live in the wilderness. Yes. That was back before I had all of this hair. Um, and uh, my bride and I got involved with this church up there and, and love the people, love, love our family that, that is still up there and pray for them regularly. But one of the greatest painful moments for me in that church was overhearing a conversation of a couple of gals in our fire department who were down su- serving at the food bank. And when, when I had told them that I was pastoring at this little church up in Enius Valley, their reference was, oh, you're, you're at that church? I, we've, we've heard that the people up there um, will kill one another. Mm. That they, just, they just tear each other up. That it, it, is, it is a horrible place to go to, to be. Mm. That was the reputation of the church down in town at the mm-hmm. food bank. Yeah. At the food bank where the poor come mm-hmm. to get fed. Who is who the, that, that's part of who the church is supposed to be serving. Mm-hmm. And our reputation was that we were a dangerous place to be, that we, 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 we harm one another. Yeah. Somehow that negative, I don't know, media, I guess you could say it, that kind of thing sticks to people's minds and heart a lot quicker. It's like, oh, I don't want to go to that church. You know, the terrifying part is that James says that's who they're being in the first century church. Yeah. James is saying, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. If they're doing it that close to Jesus, his departure, I, I just can't. It's hard for me to detach from that and think somehow we're doing it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's the wrestling in my heart is to say that we, I feel like we need to ask that question is that are, are we. Are we living any differently? Would somebody walk into our church and, and see us not only here on Sunday, but, but see me in, at my home, see me at work, and would they notice that I treated my brothers differently? Mm-hmm. Would, would, would they hear me talking about issues at my church and, and say, wow, that guy really loves his, family, his church family? Or would they, would they say, oh, yeah, you got stuck with a bunch of jerks too, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I think, the hard wrestle for me is to say, am I living any different? Mm-hmm. Or, or am I actually that the believers in James who are running around speaking evil of my brothers and judging my brothers and, and demanding to take the place of God in my life? Yeah. Kind of a difficult question I, I really think that's what you and i and and our on our are you guys an audience what is this i think you guys are just in the living room with us so you're not an audience that's what our family well, should that's, be asking. that's actually a canon xa15 hd oh, camera that's why so. it keeps winking at me i was wondering why that thing kept blinking <laughs> like knock that off 
Yeah. <laughs> we need to ask this question, you mm-hmm. guys. Are, are we any different? Are, are we the, the church of James? Is there bitterness and conflict and selfishness and self-motivation and pride and idolatry and murder? Is that our? Is that who we are as a church? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying let's not look at the church body. Let's not look at this, but let's look at my own heart. Mm-hmm. Is that who I am in the church? I, I really think we should have that conversation and, and probably go back and learn from Isaiah and say, this is how I should respond. The mm-hmm. terrifying thing is, right? Ephesians says that God's making his dwelling place, the holy dwelling place, mm-hmm. the temple of the Lord, is in us. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to his throne room. He's no, no. with me always. Mm-hmm. There's not a specific spot that you can go to and have that awe-shocking experience like Isaiah had or even the high priests had back in the Old Testament. You know? Holy Spirit now dwells within us every day, every hour, knows every single action, and is in a place of being the perfect judge. And like we said, he he wants us to be in that place of reverence of who he is, to be in that place of fear. And worship. worship. Proverbs says that the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, knowing who God is and knowing what a life in God looks like, is fear. It's the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Yep. When, when we understand who he is, we will rightly fear and revere him. Mm-hmm. We'll be in awe of him. And then we'll be able to, to com- well, we won't comprehend it, but we'll be able to, uh, I believe we'll be able to at least begin to grasp the depth mm-hmm. of his grace and his mercy and what forgiveness really means. Yeah. Hey, you guys, we're out of time. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, Travis and I could go on for hours. We demonstrated that in our pre-warm-up for this, and uh, we don't want to keep you here all night. I want to really encourage you to ask this question tonight. Am I living any different? Would the world notice any difference between me and, and, as a church member or, or the work environment that I live in or, or the, the, the people of the book of James where there's gossip and dissension and bitterness, and he even at one point calls them murderers and mm. adulterers? Is there any difference in how we live as Christians than what we're seeing here on the text? And if you don't see any difference, if what you see in there is that your life is filled with those things, that selfish motivation, that self-drive, the, 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 the worship of yourself or your preferences or, or your tongue is constantly in the process of attacking other people or tearing other people down, I really want to challenge you to consider what James says and what Isaiah does, and that is to lament, to, to mourn, and, and to rightly view that sin and to ask for forgiveness and turn to the Lord. It's what I've been doing. For the last two weeks, I feel like God has just been beating me up through the Gospel of Mark, through James. It's just been this a constant focus on this idea of, of living how he calls us to live. Last week on Sunday, he says, whenever you stand and pray, forgive anything you have against anyone Mm. how do we do that just like jesus did it's what he did and it's what he's called us to yeah and when i can't do it i confess it and i acknowledge god you're right i can't do it i need you Mm -hmm. god bless you guys have a good night we'll be here next week at six o'clock i believe stefan abraki will be with me and um, we're going to continue to share and walk through James and see what God does. And Lord willing, we'll see most of you on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. 
Have a great evening. See ya.